right, so let's go ahead and we're going to read Habakkuk 3 together. It's either, uh, it's in the bulletins that we, uh, that we printed out, or um, it's uh, right, uh, right before Zephaniah, if you know where that is. Uh, so with that said, uh, this, is, uh, this is the word of God. A prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shigianoth. O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your works. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His splendor covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. His brightness was like the light. Uh, rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. But before him went pestilence and plague, followed at his heels. He stood and measured the earth. He looked and shook the nations, and the eternal mountains were scattered. The everlasting hills sank low. His were the everlasting ways. I saw the tents of Kushan in affliction. The curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was your wrath against the rivers, O Lord? Was your anger against the rivers and your indignation against the sea? When you rode on your horses on your chariot of salvation, you stripped the sheath from your bow, calling for many arrows. You split the earth with rivers. The mountains saw you and writhed. The raging waters swept on. The deep gave forth its voice. It lifted its hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their place at the light of your arrows as they sped, at the flash of your glittering spear. You marched through the earth in fury. You threshed the nations in anger. You went out for the salvation of your people, for the salvation of your anointed. You crushed the head of the house of the wicked, laying him bare from thigh to neck. You pierced his, his own arrows with heads of his warriors who came like a whirlwind to scatter me, rejoicing as if to devour the poor in secret. You trampled the sea with your horses, the surging of mighty waters. I hear and my body trembles. My lips quiver at the sound. Rottenness enters into my bones. My legs tremble beneath me. Yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon the people who invade us. And though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food, the flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God the Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on high places to the choir master with stringed instruments. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we come before you and uh, we are so grateful, Lord God, for your word. So grateful, Lord, that you, the God who created all things, you want to speak to us. You want to make yourself known. And not only that, but the God who created all things knows us and loves us more than we can possibly imagine. So Lord, I pray that you would open our hearts to hear what your word says. And I pray that you 
would grant us ears to hear and eyes to see, that we would behold wondrous things in your word. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I feel like this uh, series has been a little bit fragmented uh, in the sense that uh, we did two weeks fairly close together and then we've had a couple weeks like in between this, this last one. And uh, so I'm going to kind of sum up a little bit of what, uh, of what we were talking about the first and second week just to kind of get our minds refreshed. So I don't know if you guys remember, but I said the structure of the book of Habakkuk kind of goes like this. You've got Habakkuk cries out to the Lord. He sees the evil and injustice and the sin that's going on in his culture, and he cries out to God, and he feels like God isn't listening to him. And God responds, and he says, I I do hear you. I have seen what is going on in the land of Judah, in the in the lives of my my people. I see their sin. And even before you asked, even before you brought this to me, I was already working on the answer. And the answer that God gives in uh, the first, in verses 6 through 11, is I am raising up another nation, a powerful nation, a wicked nation, to come and discipline my people who have turned against me. I don't know if you guys remember that, but by and large, at this point in history, Israel, for the most part, had turned away from the Lord, and they were worshiping false gods, and there was uh, no justice in the court system. There was uh, people who were treating the poor uh, with just disrespect, and um, the situation was very, very bad in the land of Judah. And so the Lord promises, okay, I'm going to bring discipline. And TJ read the next, uh, the next response. Habakkuk was a little bit afraid of, of this response because essentially what the Lord promised is I am going to bring a, a judgment on your nation. I'm, gonna, I'm going to allow many of the unfaithful, wicked people to be destroyed. And then on top of that, many of you are going to be brought back captive to Babylon, which is where uh, the book of Daniel kind of gives us a little bit more of what was going on at that time. And, and towards the, the end of the book of Daniel, it actually kind of talks about the beginning of when the people uh, actually go back from Babylon and back, uh, go back to their homeland. Um, but so Habakkuk, he is surprised by God's answer to his prayer and he, he kind of backs up a little bit and he says, wait a minute, Lord, are you not from everlasting? Are you not, uh, do you not have eyes so pure that you cannot look on evil, right? And so he begins to remind himself of the characteristics of God, right? And then God responds once again to, to Habakkuk's issue that he takes with God's first response, which is that Babylon is so evil, how can you use someone so evil to judge our evil, right? So that's what he was, uh, what he was concerned about. And so God responds to him again, and he says, if you look at chapter 2, verse 6, he says, shall not these 
take up their taunt against him with scoffing and riddles for him and say, woe to him who heaps up what is not his own for how long and loads himself with pledges. And so what this is saying is God, in response to Habakkuk's question about the evil of Babylon, he says, I'm going to give you a promise that ultimately Babylon's destruction of you is not the end of the story. In fact, God is going to raise up, this is what he's promising, he's going to raise up another nation to come in and destroy the Babylonians because the Babylonians attacked God's covenant people. And so God gives them this promise. He's saying that my, my anger at your sin is not permanent. This is not the end of the story. I am actually going to judge those people that I used to, to discipline you, and I'm going to bring you back to the, to the promised land. I'm going to bring you back. And so it's a story of God's faithfulness, right? And uh, chapter 2 ends with this amazing uh, vision of God seated high on the throne of the universe. And it says this, chapter 2, verse 20, it says, But the Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth keep silence before him. And so essentially God says, in light of, of all of these, these wondrous things that I'm going to do, be silent in my presence because I am God. And uh, chapter 3, where we pick up, is Habakkuk's final response to, to God. And it's essentially, it's a prayer that's set to music. Um, and so the first week, we said that the life of faith and we said that the, uh, the, the theme of this book is living by faith. And so the first week we said that the life of faith is a life of prayer. And the second week uh, we could sum up by saying that the life of faith is a life of dependency, radical dependency on God. And this week the thing, the thing that we see is that the life of faith, and this is the main theme, the life of faith is a life of praise. The life of faith is a life of praise. So I got a question for you guys. Have you ever gotten a gift? Think about the best gift that you've ever gotten. And then think about how you couldn't wait to tell all your friends about it. Maybe it was like a cool toy that you got when you were a little kid. What are, what's something, tell, tell me some of the things that you guys have gotten at, at a younger age that you're just like, oh my gosh, I have to tell everybody about this. Give me some examples. A dog? Okay, yeah. Yeah, dogs are great. Okay, what else? What are, what are some other things that you like? You got this gift and you're like, man, I gotta show this to all my friends. I gotta brag. A drone? Oh, man. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah, what else? Any other things? My grandpa's 308. Nice. <laughs> TJ's like, I got a gun. <laughs> nice, nice. What else? Any other things? The original Xbox. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Ooh. the original Xbox. Man, that probably came out before some of you were born, right? Probably. Yeah, I would imagine. I would imagine so. Yeah, I remember when it came out, man. That was uh, that was those were good times. Those were good times. Um, <laughs> and so I, I bring this up because when you get that thing that you really like, you can't help but talk about it, right? You you feel this 
this compulsion, if you will, to share it with other people, to brag about it, to, um, to, to express your joy over that gift, right? That's what chapter three is in the life of Habakkuk. He, the gift that he has is his relationship with God. And he is, uh, for 19 verses, expressing his joy in God. And there is, uh, there's three aspects of this, this song of praise that we, can, that we can discern from this chapter. And the first, the first is this, is that part of praising God is remembering what God has done. Part of praising God is remembering what God has done. The second thing is that part of praising God is trusting God for what he will do. And the last thing is that part of praising God is rejoicing in God even in the midst of loss. Rejoicing in God even in the midst of loss. So let's take a look at verse 2. And it says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. And so the first point is that part of praising God, part of living a life of praise, is remembering what God has done in the past. Remembering what God has done. And so as we look at verse 2 and verse 3 through 15, we see essentially Habakkuk recalling in poetic form specific sections of Israel's history. For instance, if you look at verse 4, his brightness was like the light. Rays flashed from his hand, and there he veiled his power. That is a poetic reference, possibly, to when God met Israel at Mount Sinai. I don't know if you guys remember that, but God came down and there was thunder and lightning and God spoke. They heard the voice of the Lord and the people were so afraid that they thought they were going to die. And so they told Moses, Moses, please go talk to God. Don't let God talk to us because we're afraid we're going to die, right? And so that's, that's what's being talked about here, right? But then if you look at verse five, it says, before him went pestilence and plague followed at his heels. What do you guys think pestilence and plague reminds you of? Does it remind you of the Exodus, right? And so look, look once again at... Uh, Let's see here. At verse 11, the sun and moon stood still in their place. At the light of your arrows, they sped at the flash of your glittering spear. There's another place in the Old Testament that mentions the sun and the moon uh, staying in their place. And it's when Joshua was in the midst of a battle. And it says that the Lord caused the sun to stay in its place to give Joshua more time to, to win the battle, right? But the big picture that we see throughout this passage is that God is presented as this this warrior king who comes and he fights for his people. And the reason that Habakkuk is calling this to mind is because 
He has just heard that God is about to bring discipline on them, right? He's about to bring discipline on the nation of Israel. And so Habakkuk is calling to mind God's faithfulness. He's remembering what God has done in the past to encourage his own soul in the present. If you, if you think about it, and it's like, think about it like this. If you did something for someone and then they remember it later on in the future, that really, that honors that person, right? I think of uh, when, I was, when I was first in Bible college, um, before I was able to go, I actually could not afford it. Um, and so I uh, was having a conversation with my pastor at the time. His name was Pastor Dave. Sometimes we called him PD. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> um, and he was basically, he was like, we want to invest in you. We want to help you go to, go to Bible college. And that was such an impactful thing on me. And I, to this day, remember this wonderful man being so kind to me, right? And in that way, by remembering what he did for me, I honor him, right? And in a similar way, Habakkuk is recalling what God has done in the past of rescuing the people out of the land of Egypt, giving them victory and giving them the promised land, right? In fact, all throughout the, the story of Israel, um, taking back the promised land from all, or taking the, the promised land from all of these wicked nations, there's this, this continuous theme of, and the Lord fighting for his people. The Lord will fight for you. And uh, Habakkuk is calling that to mind, and he's remembering God's faithfulness. And the reason that I share that with you is because in life, we oftentimes will get news that we don't necessarily want to hear. In life, we will often uh, go through difficult things, and we need to remember above all God's faithfulness. We need to look back at how faithful God has been, not only to us, but also to his people throughout history. God has always been faithful to his people, so that in the moment when life gets tough, we can encourage our own souls with, with the truth that God is faithful. In fact, my favorite Bible verse is 2 Timothy 2.13. It's also my Instagram name. Um, but it's a, it speaks of the fact that God is faithful, and he's, he cannot deny his own nature. So the point of the verse is that it is in God's nature to be faithful and he can't go against who he is. And we need to remember God's faithfulness, especially in the midst of difficulties. And so remembering what God has done is part of praising who God is. But it, it goes beyond that. There's, a, there's another step and the next, the next step Part of praising God is also trusting God with the future. Now, this is really interesting. If you look at verse 2, he says, 
He says, in the midst of the years, revive it. So he's asking God. He says, I've heard what you've done in the past. Please be faithful to us in the present, okay? Please be faithful to us in the future, okay? But then look at the second half of verse 16. And he says, yet I will quietly wait for the day of trouble to come upon people who invade us. And so Habakkuk has this quiet confidence that what God has said will actually come to pass. God gave the promise in chapter two. He says that the wicked Babylonians, they, their time is limited. Eventually, I'm gonna take them out, right? And so Habakkuk honors the Lord by trusting him with the future, He praises God. He brings praise to God's name by saying, Lord, you've given me this promise and and I trust you. I believe that you are going to do what you said you would do. I think about, um, how many of you guys have ever seen the movie uh, The Polar Express? Okay. (laughs) So, yes, that's a good song. Um, So in in the end, towards the end of the movie, there's a, a young boy who they're going through Santa's workshop and all that kind of stuff. And, they, and this, this young kid, he, throughout the whole movie, he's been disappointed with Santa. He's like, Santa never comes through for me. You know, he never brings me anything, right? Um, but he, he gets to Santa's workshop and he finds a gift that actually has his name on it, right? And so he's like holding on to it, right? And then finally the elves come in and they catch him. They're like, all right, you got to give it back. And he's tempted not to give it back in the moment because he, he doesn't know if he'll get it in the future, right? And then you see at the end of the movie, you see the little boy, he runs out of the house and he's got the gift and he's like holding it up and he's showing everybody, right? Billy. Yeah. Is that his name, Billy? Yeah. Okay. Um, and... This story is a little bit like that because God gave a gift to Habakkuk. He told him what was going to happen. He didn't, God didn't have to give him that information, right? But he's kind and he's gracious. And he said, he told him that what was going to happen, that he was going to bring the destruction of the people that, were, uh, that God was using as a discipline for his covenant people. And Habakkuk, in faith, he's, he says, okay, Lord, you have said that you're going to do this thing. I believe you. Just like that little boy who gave the gift back and he trusted that Santa was going to bring that, that gift. Hopefully I don't get in trouble for using a Santa, uh, Santa illustration. But, um, <laughs> but uh, anyways, I hope that makes sense to you guys because honestly, it is so hard to trust the Lord with your future because we oftentimes, there's certain things that we really want to happen and we, we feel like we would be devastated if they didn't happen, right? But the Lord has good plans for our lives. And so as we're thinking about this idea of trusting our future to the Lord, trusting the Lord with our future, I would ask you guys, What's one element of your future that you are really holding on to and trying to control? What's something that you are just, you got a death grip on and uh, you don't want to let it go? You don't want to put it in God's hands because maybe 
you don't know how it's going to turn out. Think, be thinking about that. Ask yourself, what is something that I am, I am so dead set on holding on to that I am unwilling to trust the Lord with that thing? And then I would encourage you, write that thing down in your bulletin and then talk to God about that tonight. And say, Lord, I know that this thing, it, it gives me a lot of fear. I don't know how it's gonna turn out, but God, I trust you. I trust you with my future. I trust that you're faithful. Talk to God about that, that thing that you're thinking about right now. And so the last thing is this. So part of praising God is uh, trusting God with the future. And the first part of praising God is remembering what he has done. And the last part of this, this life of praise, the last element that we see in this passage, is that part of praising God is rejoicing in God in the midst of loss. And this is found in verses 17 through 18, where he talks about the fig, uh, the fig tree not blossoming, verse 17, fruit not being on the vine, the produce of the olive fail, the fields yield no food, the flock being cut off from the fold, and there be no herds in the stall. But verse 18, this verse 18 is what we should all aspire to live like. This is a this is the attitude that we should all aspire to have. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. Now, what you guys need to know, it, when we hear that there's not going to be any olives or we're not going to have any livestock animals, it's like, it doesn't really sound like a big deal to us, right? But in Habakkuk's day, to a culture that was primarily uh, agricultural, that was a big deal. Essentially, what Habakkuk is saying is, if I lose everything, if I have nothing left, I will rejoice. And I will rejoice because I have the only thing that ultimately matters. I have God. The God who loves me and who will always keep me. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. And I just, I wonder if that, if we can say that that would be our attitude. I just asked you to think of something that you were holding on to a moment ago. And I wonder if there are things in our lives that if God said, I'm going to take that away, if we would still rejoice in him. If something popped into your head right away, that's actually a good indicator that it's an idol. If there is something, and the Lord revealed this to me when I was, uh, when I was searching for a pastoral ministry job, um, I, if I couldn't be a pastor at the time, I was incredibly unhappy and almost didn't feel like life was worth living, right? And if that is the place where we are, and God is not the one from whom we derive joy, we are not worshiping God rightly. We're worshiping something that he has given to us, a gift, worshiping his gifts, rather than worshiping the God who loves us and gives us good gifts. 
So once again, I would ask you, is there something, some good gift that God has given to you that you're holding on to? And you would say, if I couldn't have this thing, I would be incredibly discouraged or I would, uh, life wouldn't be worth living. And if that's the case, I would encourage you to write that thing down and also offer that to the Lord. I remember having a conversation with Lindsay uh, shortly after we were married and, and I was really struggling with the idea of, of uh, not finding a pastor job. And uh, she encouraged me. She said, give it to the Lord. And it was so hard for me to, to say, God, I'm gonna hold this with open hands. And that's such, such a, a natural thing for us. We want to hold on to certain elements of our lives because we think that our plan is better than God's plan, which is a really silly attitude to have when you think of the infinite creativity of God and how he has ordained all of creation and, and all of the amazing ways that he has, that he has created how could I be so silly as to think that my plan is better than him, better than his plan? And so as we've been talking about this idea of living a life of faith, and, and tonight the idea of the life of faith is a life of praise, we have to admit that oftentimes we don't, we don't, live, we don't live this out the best, the best way. Oftentimes we fall short of, we fail to remember God's goodness. Oftentimes we don't trust God with the future. And a lot of times we don't rejoice in God, even in the midst of us losing things. And the reason that I bring that up is because in the midst of those sins, we have a Savior, Jesus Christ, who has always perfectly praised God. And it's on the basis of his death and resurrection that we are right with God. And so even if you haven't lived up to what this passage is calling us to, there is grace, there is forgiveness, there is mercy. His mercies are new every morning. Let's pray and then we're going to go into uh, go into our groups.